0: good
1: evening and welcome to this edition of the john and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each and every Sunday we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives. We do so in an entertaining, informative, and truly unique fashion. And it is my pleasure each and every Sunday to welcome Leah Brandon to the program. Leah, how are you on this Sunday?
0: (laughs) I'm doing very well. How are you? Uh,
1: I'm excited about the program because uh, this is a jam-packed show. For those who have never heard us before, we are broadcasting nationwide on 20 different stations uh, that are heard in 13 of the top 28 markets, including in New York and Los Angeles, where you and I met over a decade ago at KFI in Los Angeles. We say it each and every week that it's uh, been a weird news week. Uh, this mm-hmm. one, um, I, I have no idea how we're going to get to everything in three hours. We'll do the best that we can. If you're curious about which stations we're on, go to our website, www. Free Speech Broadcasting. That's freespeechbroadcasting.com and you can check out every... Each and every one of the 20 stations that the John and Leah radio show is heard on live on Sunday evenings. And you can listen online if uh, that uh, works out better for you. Now, usually during this time of the year, we talk about uh, a little bit about college football to start things off. Because you're in Alabama. Uh, where That's one of the major things they actually care about. And we're now on in several stations in the Alabama-Georgia area where you are broadcasting from. Uh, I feel like uh, the college football season actually began this week. Um, one because there was a little bit of chill in the air in the north and the northeast. Maybe not right. And not, here, there was in Alabama as well. Oh, uh, sure. Okay. Well, not certainly not at the uh, Alabama Texas A&M game in Texas. That was uh, no. hot as hell there. Um, but also it was the strangest, most bizarre. I, I cannot remember from a Monday through a Saturday a more bizarre week in college football in my lifetime. Now, maybe there was one. <laughs> I can't remember it from from Steve Sarkisian from USC getting fired after we said he, should, he ought to get fired. That's how we started last week's program uh, for uh, showing up drunk as the, the US head, fo- USC head football coach here in the, the Los Angeles area. Um, and then ending with what happened in the Michigan game, Michigan-Michigan State game yesterday. Um, obviously, I know you're a big Roll Tide fan, so you're, I'm sure you're happy about the, your Alabama Crimson Tide. I will maintain what I have said for weeks now. And that is that we are headed for the most discombobulated, most bizarre, most controversial ending to a college football season ever. I have no idea how, when it's all said and done, they're going to be able to pick four teams because there's so much parity among those top 12 teams or so, right. maybe, maybe even more. It, is, it seems to be a statistical impossibility that there are going to be four undefeated teams from four different conferences uh, when this is all over with. I I don't think there's any chance of that, which, of course, basically just ensured that it will happen. But um, and one of the stranger scenarios already taking shape is that you now have your Alabama Crimson Tide now that they seem to have gotten things together. Although, if it takes three pick sixes to win each week, good luck with that. Um, you know, if you, you have three <laughs> pick sixes like Alabama did yesterday, you ought to win by 40. Uh, Alabama is really good, but they don't seem to have that, you know, that extra gear that they've had in past years to blow That's people. That's okay. Okay. Anyway, we hey, won. That's well, all that matters. Well, but here's the scenario, though. So now you got Old Miss with two losses. Correct, but they and still, they beat us. Right, and they still control their own destiny. So right. w- if Ole Miss were to win out, which, frankly, I don't think is going to happen, but if that did happen, Alabama could roll over everybody the rest of the way, and it doesn't matter. They will be higher ranked, but it won't matter because they won't go to the SEC championship game. And if you don't go to the SEC championship game, it's really hard to make an argument to make it into the playoffs, regardless of how highly you're ranked. So it, there's all sorts of crazy scenarios. And, um, you know, I'm sure as the year goes on, we'll talk about a lot of them. One of the other things I've already referred to, which was just off the charts, was the end of the Michigan-Michigan State game, which I I (laughs) assume you you had to see, right? You couldn't have missed it, even if you tried. Yeah, I did. Um, What fascinated me about this, and if you missed it, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do, because this was one of those moments that, uh, for me anyway, and I'm not a big Michigan or Michigan State fan, but I'll never forget where I was. I mean, that was one of the top five most amazing things I've ever seen in, in, forget about college football, maybe sports and period. I, the most remarkable, bizarre ending where Michigan had the game won and all they had to do was punt the ball. That's all they had to do was punt the ball. And, I mean, not even well. Just kick it. That's all they need to do. And they win the game. Yes. And the, the punter, who happened to be an Australian rugby player, which was part of the problem, and so there, this was a, a multifaceted perfect storm that happened for Michigan one of which was the fact that their punter was an Australian rugby player uh, you know you know how you know Barack Obama cannot throw a first pitch because he grew up in Kenya it's sim-
0: absolutely it's
1: similar if this punter had grown up in the United States what happened would not have occurred but all right but here's so anyway bottom line is Michigan State, uh takes advantage of the australian rugby player dropping the ball he tries to kick it anyway the ball happens to bounce right in the hands of a michigan state player he's he by the way makes a huge mistake that nobody's talking about he should have gone right out of bounds so they could kick the winning field goal instead he goes for the gusto if he gets tackled at the one yard line he's it's the, over yeah he, he's the goat right <laughs> instead he gets in by about a foot oh by the way He dislocates his hip, and the celebration has to be carted off the field. (laughs) I didn't see that. Television (laughs) ignored it. The the hero of the game, television completely ignored. Oh, by the way, the guy who won the game that we just spent four hours broadcasting, the most amazing ending you'll ever see, we're going to cut away to another game before he's carted off the field with a dislocated hip. Uh, it was unbelievable, literally unbelievable, but what I'm fascinated by, Leah, is whenever something huge like this happens, the news media is always going to blow it, especially the sports media, because, you know, it's that it, they're full of... <laughs> and they blew this one, too, from a number of perspectives. Number one, while the punter is obviously first to blame, Jim Harbaugh, who was a media darling, the head coach at Michigan, was... The first person to blame. And he didn't take any responsibility that I saw. No. Um, Here's what he did, which was asinine. So all they got to do, as I mentioned, just punt the ball. Just kick it over the line of scrimmage. They win the game. He had a normal punt on. And all you got to do is go back and look at the replay. They have a wasted player at the top of the screen as if this is a normal punt. Michigan State's got 11 guys on the line of scrimmage. That's not normal. But Michigan is lined up as if this is a normal punt. So they waste a guy who should have been blocking at the top of the screen, and then they take their three, they're called safeties, the three guys who are supposed to protect the punter, and they shift away from the rushing Michigan State guys because they think this is a normal punt. It's not a normal punt. Just kick the damn thing. That's all you got to do. Kick it 20 yards, you win. That's all. And that's Jim Harbaugh's call, and he blew Mm. it. And he gets no No criticism, hardly at all. No, it's all the fault of the punter. Well, and this is where we get to the second part, where the news media blows it. So because he so dramatically blew it, we have some blowback from you know ardent Michigan fans. By the way, one of which apparently had a heart attack during the game. <laughs> Did you hear about this? <laughs> Somebody had a heart attack during the play. No, <laughs> no, this could be a hey.
0: Listen, he, they take it seriously. Well,
1: what else do they have? Well, right. They've got
0: nothing. It is
1: Michigan, right? I understand. Yeah. So anyway, the point the point of this is now this kid, this poor Australian rugby player, has endured enormous amounts of criticism on Twitter, and of course, yep. you know how. Difficult that is to endure. I mean, you you can't survive if you get criticized on Twitter. Not that I would anything about Facebook, Facebook. Right? Not that that I would know anything about that. I mean, every every day of the week I get called names on Twitter and Facebook. (laughs) Who cares? But the news media—if you look up this guy's the punter's name and you know—and death threats. There's like. 30 articles from mainstream news organizations, and there were no death threats. But now this is the narrative, because the news media instinctively wants to embrace the poor guy, because he's been criticized so much. They want him to get cancer and die.
0: So maybe they're using that as a death threat. That's not
1: a death threat, though. (laughs) That's just stupid people on Twitter. There's a difference. There's a big difference between death threats and stupid people on Twitter. My point here is I can't stand that we now instinctively in the news media, certain people, if they're sympathetic enough, we can't criticize them no matter how badly they screw up. In fact, oftentimes it's best to screw up horrifically. The worse you screw up, the better chance there'll be a blowback. In fact, the next time I really screw up on a national stage, I'm going to pay people to have death threats against me on Twitter so Maybe, maybe it'll be be a blowback. Well, not for me. Not for you. That's true. It doesn't apply. You're right. The normal rules do not apply to me. The news media would ignore actual death threats. In fact, they they would (laughs) be applauding actual death threats against John Ziegler, no matter what story I was involved in. All right. we're, We're late on this break, but when we come back, a couple other things happen in college football, including a movie. Uh, in your about your neck of the woods in Birmingham oh, yeah. that came out this week uh, where the one of the stars is John Voight, who I had a, a phone conversation with, which was kind of funny about the movie and um, and also the retirement of, of uh, Steve Spurrier. I want to talk about before we get to the hard news, which we will because there's a ton of it this week, all still to come on the John and Leah show on the free speech broadcasting network. john and leah show my name is john Ziegler. my co-host is leah brandon and uh, a couple more thoughts on college football before we get to the uh, hard news of the week you know leah as i get old i'm now 48 and uh, feeling much older than that often uh, there's an interesting phenomenon that occurs people uh sports usually sports figures but people who i really didn't like that much when i was young i am still finding myself sad when they're gone And I I think it's mostly because of my own mortality, but also because of uh, the changes in our society are now so dramatic. And oftentimes when we say goodbye to people, we're forced to realize just how much things have changed, usually for the worst. And I'm I'm referring here to the uh, retirement, although he didn't call that um, that he didn't call it
0: that resignation is what he called it. Right.
1: of South Carolina football coach Steve Spurrier. Uh, now, Steve Spurrier may not be a household name, but among college football fans, he certainly is. Of course, um, the old ball coach. He he will go down as a legend, no question about it, because he is the greatest coach in the history of two Southeastern Conference schools, uh, which only Bear Bryant can say that, and you know, there's only one Bear Bryant. Um, you know. And, uh, and what, one of the reasons why I'm going to miss Steve Spurrier, and for, it was startling that he... Resigned and basically retired at the age of 70 because he was always so young in my eyes. I mean, he was baby-faced, energetic, throwing the visor. And, and, you know, And there were a couple things I'm going to miss. One um, was that energy. Two, I'm missing the fact that fewer and fewer college football coaches now have a good Southern accent. In the <laughs> southern, the southern accent is basically going. You know, it's racist, right? I mean, we've, we've been to- it we, is racist. we've been told that. So. It's, it's slowly fading away from anybody with a big-time job to have a Southern accent, unless, of course, you're Hillary Clinton. Then you then you can periodically have a Southern accent.
0: Break it out when necessary. Right,
1: like when she was in Alabama this weekend. You can just break yeah. it out when necessary and then go back to your regular uh, accent. Um, but the point, point of this, and there is a point, is that um, Steve Spurrier was one of the last few powerful people that was really politically incorrect. That's right. He didn't give a damn. Um, I get the same sensation watching old clips of Steve Spurrier that I do watching old clips of Ronald Reagan. I keep thinking, how did he get away with this? (laughs) It's amazing how quickly and dramatically we have changed. And one example came about on ESPN's uh, game day coverage where they have Spurrier on as a guest on Saturday because he he was not coaching, obviously, since he had resigned. And this, I think, was so emblematic of of how PC we become – how hypocritical the news media, and especially ESPN, is. Listen to Tom Rinaldi, a, a reporter from ESPN, who I've dealt with a little bit on the Penn State case, uh, wax poetic about one of the great politically incorrect moments of Steve Spurrier's career. Time. Too many quips and quotes to possibly include in any piece, but an enduring favorite, his response to a fire at the Auburn Library, which burned 20 books. Spurrier's response the real tragedy was the 15 that hadn't been colored yet. (laughs) With the head, (laughs) Coach. The color that never
0: stops. We go over to Reese. Coach. All
1: right, now that's very funny. Uh, But it's important to note that that statement was made many years ago by Steve Spurrier. The very same ESPN, and I'm talking about the very same ESPN reporters there that are laughing. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Which Auburn books hadn't been colored in yet. Uh, That's really funny. (laughs) Those very same people. If Spurrier had said that, You know, with a two and four record this week and not resigned, they would have forced his resignation. Probably, that that would have been deemed politically incorrect and potentially even racist. Now, I realize Auburn's not a black school, but if he had said, "Let's change one word there," if he had said, "If if the word football," you know, let's say the football library at Auburn hadn't had the books colored in yet, he's fired because that's (laughs) deemed racist. So the very same people that are going, "Oh, it's so funny! How great was this guy? He was such a good quote." the reason why no one will say anything anymore because everyone's so Damn. terrified of getting crucified by the liberal pc police at espn it's 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 massive hypocrisy and it's sad Because we lose something in the in the translation, we we're losing a huge part of what makes life fun, and it's sad. Um, And uh, Steve Spurrier is representative of that. I didn't get to the uh, John Voight story, which I will when we come back. And then the news of the week on the John and Leah show here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. She broadcasts from Alabama where people care about guns, Jesus, and college football. I'm from just north of Los Angeles where people barely even care about themselves. Speaking of college football, a couple more quick minutes on um, events in that arena uh, before we get to the hard news and the uh, Incredible political news of the week uh, focused around, the, first of all, the Democratic presidential debate, which we'll do in the next segment. Uh, one last thought on Steve Spurrier, uh, Leah Brandon, uh, and his yeah. uh, resignation slash retirement. It's, um, it's remarkable to me how we have seen, as college football has changed in every possible way, essentially the death of the long-term legendary coach. Uh, I don't know if, if you're aware of this. But there are now, with Spurrier's departure, only four coaches currently coaching who have won national championships. Only four. And none of them from the 1990s or before. Every single one. Well, we
0: want instant results.
1: Yeah. Well, everything's today. The pressures are immense now. Uh, And as as a result of that, you know, Spurrier, while he clearly got very old very fast uh, in the last couple of years, is only 70 years old. You know, Joe Paterno, just a few years ago, was still very competitive at the age of 84. And not only was Joe Paterno 84, but somehow he was able to have enough energy to also be in charge of this massive child sex abuse (laughs) cover-up and still be competitive on the football field. Now, that's amazing. At 84, I mean, you'd think just coaching football and being competitive would be hard enough. But to have a massive cover-up for a former assistant coach, which, by the way, didn't happen and I've been spending the last three plus years proving that, uh, is really rather remarkable. But there are no Joe Paternos anymore. There are no Bear Bryants anymore. Uh, and and now we don't have Steve Spear either. And I think there's there's a, a loss in that. Uh, there's, there's obviously with everything, there's a happy medium. I mean, sometimes coaches could get to be too godlike, but... I think we're now on the other end where we fire coaches, you know, split and they're gone or or if they're even if they're successful, they leave and go someplace else. Uh, Well, And we've got
0: players leaving earlier, too.
1: Yeah. Well, that's part of it's all connected. It's all connected in this microwave world. Now, I mentioned Bear Bryant. Uh, There is a movie out this weekend that is a true story based in. Birmingham, where you're broadcasting from. That's right. A movie called Woodlawn, uh, which is in theaters nationwide. It's basically the story. um, Well, why don't you describe it, uh, since you're you're there in Birmingham? Why don't you describe the story?
0: Well, Woodlawn, uh, it's set in 1973 when there was still, there's no secret, there was some racial tension uh, here in Birmingham. And desegregation was happening. And so uh, at Woodlawn High School... Uh, There was a lot of chaos when the desegregation happened. So the football team there, um, they just couldn't get it together. They were having, you know, chaos, a lot of hate, crosses burning, all kinds of stuff happening. They brought in a chaplain for the team. The entire team gave themselves over to Jesus, and it was this inspirational, you know, awakening that happened with even the community. Um, so, you know, that's basically
1: what it's about. And one of the key, uh, players on the team ends up going to Alabama and, yes. and Tony Nathan, Tony Nathan, a black guy, uh, who, uh, played for Bear Bryant and uh, Bear Bryant is, is, there are a lot of people who. ...are on both ends of the fence, and I'm one of those that believe that actually Bear Bryant was instrumental in desegregating uh, right. the South. Um, you know, you could look at the record book in a couple different ways there, but he, Bear Bryant is a character in this movie, and he's played by Academy Award winner John Voight. Of course, it's rather pathetic that John Voight is now more well-known probably be, for being the father of Angelina Jolie than he, <laughs> than he is for being one of the great actors of our time. Uh, but he is playing Bear Bryant in this movie. Um which opened this uh, particular weekend, and when I found out about this, I found out about this li- very late on Friday, because I know John Voight a little bit because we're both part of this so- pseudo this secret- underground. Yeah, it's well, not really. <laughs> I'm not really part of it anymore, and it's not really secret anymore. It's called Friends of Abe, uh, this uh, conservative Hollywood organization, and John Voight is one of the very few, you know, big stars that's in the organization. So I, I wanted to see if he would come on the program to talk about playing Bear Bryant and i had no i called him up i had no idea i don't i I must have gotten him pretty late at night because he was in england um you know and uh so i felt badly about that Uh and and so we talked a little bit about it and he 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 thought you know it's i'm not back to this country for a couple weeks by then it's going to be old news it's probably you know not a great idea for me to do the interview about the movie i said well but can i can i just talk to you a little bit about bear bryant a little bit and I, i it got to a. Weird, have you ever one of that, one of these situations where you're not sure if you're doing an interview or you're not? Yes, and, I have been. Okay, well, I didn't know whether I was interviewing John Voigt or not, but I thought I was recording it because because <laughs> I thought I thought when he started talking about the movie that that meant it was okay for because he because you know you can tell the difference in a voice inflection oh, sure. when someone they're on is, right he was on. He was absolutely on talking about Bear Bryant in glowing terms and what it was like to play him. And, well, know. let's hear it then. Well, the problem. <laughs> I'd love to be able to play it for you, Leah. Except there's a problem. So I get off the phone. I'm thinking, you know, I, I took about five or six minutes more of his time for him to talk about Bear Bryant. I thought oh, that was good. Let me hear it. So I, I stick in the the, the uh, you know the disc the disc into my computer to find the file. And I've got like eight million files on this thing, and I spent hours looking for it. I found the file. Of the phone call I made to John Voigt's other phone number, which didn't get answered, oh, but no. I did not find the file for the phone oh, call to John now. Voigt's actual phone call. Hey, John, listen. <laughs> Can we do a do over? Yeah, I was not going to call John Voigt <laughs> when it was like 11 or 12 o'clock in England. <laughs> To do an interview that he didn't want to do the first time, didn't know he was doing the first time. <laughs> I was not going to do that, but suffice to say, he had glowing things to say about uh, Bear Bryant. And uh, you know, if you're into that type of movie, obviously extremely religious, conservative, and um, and not your normal Hollywood uh, uh, type of movie, then you know, just go and see uh, Woodlawn which is um, the best I can say for it. I have not seen it yet. Um, people on your I will face- see it this week. People on your Facebook page seem to like it so yes. uh, I, I take that for whatever it's worth <laughs> all right um so when we come back a ton of stuff to talk about um and that's much more interesting than john blowing interviews with john voight uh including the democratic presidential debate which we'll discuss when we return on the john and leah show on the free speech broadcasting network Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com where you can check out each and every one of the 20 radio stations across this nation including in New York and Los Angeles where this show is broadcast live each and every Sunday evening for three hours. And every single week, we take a look at the race for the White House 2016. This week, the Democrats finally had their first debate. And, of course, we saw the first two debates on the Republican side where essentially the the media's entire goal was to get the candidates in as many fistfights as possible and to pave the path for the Democratic nominee as best they possibly could. That's right. I'm sure the Democratic debate was exactly the same way.
0: No. yes, uh, they did everything that they could to prop up Hillary. And in fact, uh, before the debate was even over, the mainstream media declared that Hillary was the winner. But that drew a huge backlash from supporters of Bernie Sanders. Uh making their uh, thoughts well-known all over Twitter. Clinton has been under scrutiny, of course, for her private, unsecured server. And Bernie Sanders really could have hit her hard on this topic, but at the debate, he chose to bail her out instead.
1: The American people are sick and tired of hearing about your damn emails. Thank you.
0: Me too. Me too. Yes, so lots in the mainstream media declared that uh, subject closed. Now, one question for the candidates was to name the enemies that they have made in their political careers that they're the most proud of. And I thought Hillary's answer was interesting. Well, in addition to the NRA, uh, the health insurance companies, the drug companies, um, the Iranians, um, (laughs) probably the Republicans. (laughs) Of the Republicans. Oh, and by the way, Hillary was in Birmingham last night, and she reached back to 2008 to pull out her good old fake Southern accent again.
1: Oh
0: yeah, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, she did. Uh, here's what it sounds like. I don't feel no ways tired. <laughs> I come too far.
1: Yeah. Now, to be clear, so, uh, that that was 2008, not this past yeah. weekend. This past weekend, she definitely broke out the, uh, the Southern accent, but it wasn't quite as dramatic or flat-out racist as—because that was in front of a black audience, I believe. Uh, yes. Uh, so this was much more subtle, but still clearly fraudulent. Uh, and you can see, I think it's still on the top of the drudge report. If you go to uh, the drudge report, you can see, listen to uh, Hillary's fake Southern accent. Okay. Uh, is that all you got on the democratic debate, Leah?
0: Yeah, that's it. I've mm. got some more stuff, but Hey, it's not as interesting as you are. So go ahead. Uh, well,
1: I'll try to be more interesting than the <laughs> stuff we'll never hear that you have. Um, you should have more confidence in your report. Sure. <laughs> but you know, how much can we listen to of Hillary honestly? Okay. Well, if that's all you got, then you're right. I'll be more interesting. All right. Here's the deal. Um, now first of all on this Bernie Sanders bit with him absolving her of responsibility we're sick and tired of hearing the damn about the damn emails. Now this will probably help Hillary in the general election because as you said it basically sends a signal to the media yep. who apparently was cheering according to numerous reports was cheering yep. when Bernie Sanders said that. It's a signal that you know it gives an excuse to the media to to eventually just let this thing die um unless there's an indictment which you and i've said numerous times before unless there's an indictment by the general time the general election comes around this story is not going to be on the front burner and might be completely gone and will not be at the, the, the front of the minds of voters in november of 2016 so in that way he may have helped i am a contrarian by nature uh But my view of how this impacts the Democratic race is contrary to the conventional wisdom of the media morons. I actually think this was a brilliant move by Bernie Sanders, a brilliant move. Um, Now, it might have been by accident. See, Sanders and Trump are very similar. You can never tell if what they've done is genius because of genius or just dumb luck. (laughs) Because a lot of times crazy people can have that happen. If you're you're crazy, sometimes things are going to work your way because it's just so nuts. It just happens. Uh, That might be what's happening here. Because I don't consider Sanders to be a brilliant guy. He's obviously a socialist. Uh, So how bright could he be? He also seems a bit nuts. But here's why I think it was a genius move. Number one, had he attacked Hillary on the emails, it wouldn't have helped him at all. In the Democratic primary, because nobody on the Democratic side is going to perceive the email issue unless Obama tells them otherwise as being serious. And Obama on 60 Minutes, just a couple days beforehand, had already sent the signal.
0: It's a mistake.
1: This is not a big deal. You know, she made a mistake, but there's nothing criminal, and—I'm paraphrasing—and our national— No
0: national security.
1: Right, no national security issues. So unless Obama were to have said something dramatically different— Democrats weren't going to judge Hillary on this because they want to believe that the Hillary the email issue is a right wing nut job issue. Okay. Yes. So, so, so in the Democratic base, the people are going to come out to primaries and caucuses criticizing on her, her on the emails does nothing for Bernie Sanders. So, in, if you're not going to criticize her, you might as well go in the other direction and get huge brownie points with these people, and yeah. so that's what Sanders did. So he is now far more likable among the Democratic base, especially to a lot of people who had never been exposed to him before. And, are and he's watching- not, and he's
0: more likable with Hillary in case she wins president. Uh, he's not, you know, persona non
1: grata. I actually, well, that's true too. Um, but I actually thought Hillary came on when he, she came over and shook his hand. Yes. I thought that was, they made her look bad and, and almost desperate. Um, and and I'm, again, I'm looking at this from the standpoint of a Democratic base voter. In a weird way, he became the alpha and she right. became the beta. It's the same thing going on with Bush and Trump on the Republican side. Trump is the alpha. Bush is the beta. Who's winning? I actually think when, the, when, you, when you look at the ratings, I think Hillary ought to be scared out of her mind at the ratings for that debate because they were much higher than expected. Now, the reason they were much higher than expected was not because suddenly people became fascinated to see what Hillary Clinton would say. All right? She was not the reason why CNN was surprised at how high the ratings were. Bernie Sanders was the reason, and to the nut job Democratic base, I think Bernie Sanders did exactly what he needed to do. He became more likable. He he became the fighter that they're looking for. He's far to the left uh, to Hillary on economic issues, although not as far to the left as he would have been if the 2008 version of Hillary Clinton had shown up. Because it is unbelievable. I mean, it is, it is unbelievable. Yep. How much further left Hillary Clinton is eight years after having run for president in 2008? It is if if the very same thing happened with a Republican candidate and they went to the right on not just one or two issues, on five or six major issues with gigantic, enormous flip flops. If they did that in the midst of, by the way, horrific Polling. I mean, the very day of the debate, there was a Fox News uh, poll that came out showing Hillary getting crushed uh, nationwide by numerous Republicans. If that—I mean, the the factual record— on the day of a Republican debate, the Republican front would have been destroyed. The media narrative would have been, "Oh my God, he's desperate. It's it's yes, all crumbling. Absolutely, it's all crumbling." The, 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 what is going to happen? Let's pretend that that person was Bush, George, Jeb Bush. He would be done. Now, Jeb Bush might be done already, but the reality is Hillary gets away with it because, as we've said numerous times before, and this is the other thing: the Bernie Sanders email statement proves we've said this numerous times democrats only get vetted for president by other democrats <laughs> that's the way it is you know, republicans get vetted by democrats because you know mm-hmm. that's the way that works but democrats also only get vetted by democrats so if democrats say something is okay it's okay oh. and that, and that's what bernie sanders did he was absolving her on the democratic side her sins. from of, of all her sins related to the email situation. So, now, I'm not saying that Bernie Sanders is going to beat Hillary Clinton. Um, in fact, the very first poll, though it's only one poll, the very first poll that came out since the debate shows her doing slightly better in New Hampshire uh, than she was before the debate. Uh, and, and Sanders has been winning some some polls in New Hampshire. But i got to tell you, if Joe Biden were to get in, which I... At this point, who the hell knows what Joe Biden's going to do? I don't. I don't think was supposed knows. to
0: do it. Today's the last day he was supposed to do it. They yeah. said on Friday, three days.
1: Yeah. well, Who the hell knows? <laughs> I, I'm now of the. We're going to talk more about Biden in the next hour. But but if Biden were to get in, I think Bernie Sanders would be the biggest pain in the ass, almost as big on the Democratic side as Trump is on the Republican side, because then you split. Biden would split Hillary's vote. He's not taking Bernie Sanders' vote. The yeah. Bernie Sanders vote is twenty-five to thirty-five percent of the far-left nutjob progressive socialist wing uh, of Correct. the Democratic Party. That ain't going anywhere. He's getting that no matter what. If he, if, but if Hillary's the only legitimate opponent, then she's still going to get fifty percent or whatever it is, and she'll win. But if you, Biden takes twenty percent of that or twenty percentage points of that, now you got an interesting situation. So. I actually think that Bernie Sanders did exactly the right thing. Now, will it be enough to win? I don't think so. Uh, Because, again, the Democrats have yet another advantage that Republicans don't have. And we've mentioned this in the past. The biggest problem Republicans have, or one of the many big problems Republicans have right now, is they don't have a party elder that our base will look to and go, tell us where to go. Mitt, Mitt Romney thinks he's that guy, but he's not. He's he's, tr- not. he's trying to bring down Trump. It's not gonna work because no one trusts him because he wussed out. At least that's in perception and there's some reality to that. that he did w- what he did. Right. He wussed out and so therefore he has no credibility and he actually plays into Trump's hand. So so we have nobody on our side that can go, Whoa, 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 people. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Stop it. We have nobody like that. And that's why Trump's got a real chance. On the Democratic side, if Sanders were to win Iowa and New Hampshire, which is not impossible, and it starts to become a runaway train, if Obama wants to, he can stop it on a dime. He can True. stop it on a dime by just saying, people, I, your Lord has spoken. Um, you know, Look, we all have our problems with Hillary. <laughs> She's not perfect, but we're not going with Bernie because he can't win. And that's it. That's over. It's over. Democrats would get immediately in line. And Hillary wins. So, all right, there's a lot more to talk about here, including whether or not Biden gets in and something very, very funny that uh, CNN did, hoping desperately that Biden does get into the race. We'll talk about that, plus a whole lot more in the hour number two of The John and Leah Show, coming up next, right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. (laughs)